So, so far with the meditation instructions, um, we've been bringing our awareness into the body, right, more fully, and then exploring breath or sound as a primary object for our attention. That's kind of what we've been doing uh, so far. We've also been opening up to the possibility to attune in particular to uh, pleasant or nourishing aspects of the breathing um, or of the sound or in the walking uh, of the visual world, yeah, the beauty. So we've been also opening up uh, to that. Um, Someone left me a a written question yesterday asking, what do I mean by nourishing? So I thought I'd just pause with that a little bit and also explain a little bit what we mean by pleasant. That's also not always obvious. When we say opening to the pleasant, um, sometimes we hear the word pleasant and we think, you know, it immediately like that has quite a high level of intensity. (laughs) Something needs to feel quite dramatically pleasant. Uh, When we say open to the pleasant, meeting the pleasant, with the breath or through the breathing or through the sound, um, it has a range. Yeah. And we can uh, really see that range all the way from just what feels okay. Yeah. Or even not unpleasant. Yeah. All the way to what might feel quite pleasurable. Yeah. So that's what we mean when we use the word pleasant. Yeah. And so sometimes it, I, it gets quite cumbersome. I'll say, okay, good enough as it is, <laughs> pleasant, comfortable. You know, it's just so that we can kind of have a sense of that, of that range. Um, and with nourishing, when I use nourishing or nourishment, um, we can say that which brings well-being. Yeah? So breathing in a way that's responding to our experience in a way that brings well-being, or listening. Yeah, in a way, yeah, that brings well-being. Yeah. Um, so, for example, um, we can call it also an appropriate response. For example, um, if there's restlessness uh, in the body, then um, just checking if we can breathe or listen in a way that calms or soothes or creates more space. Yeah. Uh, or same thing, if there's tiredness, sleepiness in the system, can we breathe um, or work with a posture in a way that's nourishing, in a way that brings well-being, in a way that kind of responds appropriately to our experience. Does that make sense to people so far? Yeah. Great. So today we're primarily continuing our exploration from yesterday. So if you found um, something in the practice yesterday that felt like uh, there's a, this is working for me or there's kind of a, a thread here I can follow or uh, this is interesting to explore, uh, then continue with that, yeah, primarily. Yeah, continue with that. Um, because as we continue with the practice, you know, whether it's just that sense of, ah, three breaths, you know, and that can bring a lot of freedom yeah, over the sense of, ah, yeah, not every breath for 45 minutes, 
for just three breaths. Yeah. Yeah. I was reminded yesterday um, in one of the groups about something that one of my teachers used to say, which relates to this, that quality rather than quantity, yeah, in our practice. The quality rather than quantity. We so quickly, our habits are to go to the quantity, yeah. I need to be mindful for 45 minutes without a break. Yeah. And any moment of non-mindfulness is a failure. Yeah. And colors my whole practice. Yeah. I'll come back to this in a moment. Um, but actually, we kind of highlight the quality of presence in this breath, in this one, in this one, or in this moment of listening. Yeah. And that in itself can bring a sense of well-being. Yeah? Sometimes, um, you know, just the, as uh, one teacher, Analaya Bhikkhu, who says, just actually if we pay attention, hmm? yes, sorry, technical adjustment. Yeah, let's check that if that's better with the mic. I say just in the paying attention, just in attentiveness, there's actually some well-being. There's actually something that is pleasant, just in the giving of attention. And we can tune into that. There's a frequency that's available to us. So the quality... Uh, more than the quantity. And as we practice this way, yeah, it supports uh, a sense of spaciousness and a sense of stability in attention yeah, over time. And these two, maybe we can see how things start to come together, spaciousness also yeah, brings well-being. Stability also brings well-being. Yeah. So maybe just as we were doing with a sense of pleasant, our pleasant actually has a range. Yeah? But also well-being has a range. Yeah? A range of intensity, a range of um, kind of attributes yeah? or manifestations. Yeah? Just that release into space. Just that groundedness of a sense of stability. I can come in. Just that relief in three breaths, three steps, yeah. rather than all of this. So, I mentioned this last night. One of the, um, or some of the things we begin to see as we practice is some of the habits of our heart and mind. And one of them that is interesting is what is called the negativity bias. It's the tendency that the mind has, it's a biological tendency that we have as human beings, the way our brains are wired to notice more and to give more weight to what isn't going well, 
or what isn't right in our experience, um, rather than what is. Yeah. So it's a real kind of, yeah, the word bias, I think, is very precise here. It's a bias of our uh, habits of attention. Yeah, to notice yeah, what's, what's not going well, what's not right. What's unpleasant in experience. And so part of what we're doing when we're actually intentionally tuning in to what is pleasant, okay, good enough. Told you I was going to do that <laughs> in experience. Part of what we're doing when we do that is we're redressing that balance. Yeah, We're intentionally not going with a habit of noticing what's not okay, but asking ourselves what is. Yeah, What is okay? Can I notice that? And then, can I learn to sustain my attention with that? And in a wider lens, we can say what we're learning through practice is to notice, yeah, to attend, uh, and to uh, have a healthy relationship with a whole range of our experience. What is pleasant? Yeah, can we enjoy it? Can we open to it? Yeah, can we stay with it? Yeah. And here too, we have habits of reactivity. They're trying to catch it. Yeah. Trying to catch it. And people here have been reporting that. You know, it's like I'm suddenly a moment of mindfulness of a calm, and there's like, whoo, you know, that energy comes in you know, and pops it. Yeah. So we can bring humor to that, and we can bring interest to that. Yeah. And we learn. Yeah, how to cultivate it, how to notice it, how to sustain attention with it. Yeah. We also learn with practice, um, you know, to notice and to sustain attention with the neutral, with that in our experience which isn't particularly pleasant or unpleasant. Yeah, so it just goes under the radar. Yeah, there's not enough in it. Yeah, and we'll be saying more about that over the days. And I'll just say here, you know, the part, something that can help us is to bring interest. And, you know, partly why we work with a pretty neutral, pretty neutral objects of attention, like the breathing. Which, as Nathan said yesterday, is not particularly interesting. <laughs> yeah. In our, to our conditioned, habitual um, mind. Yeah. So we bring interest. We bring in these little challenges of like, ah, staying with three breaths or three steps. And we're also going to open to um, see, understand um, how we habitually attend to the unpleasant and what other possibilities we have. So the kind of, we can say the, the commonality yeah, across this kind of meeting this range of human experience is um, this intention to cultivate a way of relating that is not limited to our reactivity yeah, patterns. Yeah. It goes from reactivity to response, from um, habit to possibility. It's okay. There's a spider at the front here. 
Okay, I'm going to digress because I have to say, I used to do a lot of retreats in a in a place in India where meditation hall was outdoors, um, and there was a metal roof over it. It was open air, and the metal roof would get warm, so the snakes loved it. <laughs> You'd be there in meditation and snake. Yeah, so. Interesting. Can be worse or, you know, again, our, our, our personal conditioning can be better or worse than a spider, depending on your, your habitual way of looking. Yeah. So, yeah, with all these explorations, yeah, that movement from, yeah, that habitual reactivity to the possibility of responding. So, our primary practice continues to be breath or sound, yeah, or if you've been working with something else, using that, yeah. That's our primary practice. And if it's helpful, particularly opening to the pleasant, nourishing aspect of the breathing or the hearing, that's helpful. That's available for you. We're also going to open today to getting skillful with the uncomfortable, the unpleasant, the painful when they arise. Okay, we're not going looking for them. Yeah, we're not going looking for them. Don't trouble, trouble. Yeah, it will come. Yeah. We're not looking for them, but when they arise, we're interested to see, uh, can we cultivate a skillful way of responding? So we can say um, that uh, mindfulness is this capacity to tune in to presence, to tune in to what is present. And it also includes this remembering of possibilities. Remembering possibilities. What possibilities? Possibilities of appropriate response. That's kind of a, you may have noticed we kind of, a lot of these um, terms that we use, yeah, mindfulness, dukkha, yeah, freedom, they have slightly different definitions. (laughs) Yeah, they're very rich. This is how I'm going to talk, refer to mindfulness today. Yeah. It's tuning into the present, what's present right now, and then remembering possibilities of response. And so when we tune in to our present experience and we notice something unpleasant is drawing the attention, so we're not looking for it, but it will arise. Remembering these possibilities to move away from the habits of reactivity to avenues of response. And the kind of very primary, common habits of reactivity that come up towards the unpleasant are uh, rejection. Yeah, rejection, pushing away, struggling against, wanting to get rid of. Yeah, and this can be from very, very mild. You know, and just have a tickle. Yeah, and a little tickle. You just want to go like that. Just a little, it's just a tiny little flick. <laughs> but that's still, you know, you can see uh, that's, that's reactivity there. 
Yeah. So from that to kind of more extreme sense of struggle, battle against and with our experience. And the invitation is to take time to understand this process, yeah, to get to know yeah, what we're um, labeling as unpleasant, and to get to know it, to become more familiar with it, and also to get to know with that, uh, get to know the process of reactivity yeah, and how that is impacting the degree of dukkha, of ill-being in the experience. And so in the Buddha's teaching, uh, he speaks about this really, really clearly, and he has this simile that I think quite a few of you have heard before. He says, um, when we have an unpleasant experience, yeah, say, uh, some discomfort in the body, that's like being shot by an arrow. Yeah? First arrow. Yeah. When we don't pay attention, when we don't bring intention into our response, when we don't remember possibilities, our reactivity kicks in, which is like a second arrow that we're shooting yeah, at ourselves in this case. So on a physical level, you know, we can really notice it and modern science also, you know, kind of supports this theory of the Buddha by saying, you know, when there's, for example, physical physical pain in the body, the body contracts around it more. Yeah? So instinct, as if the body's trying to, and I just did it, you know, when we have a sharp pain, you go, that's a contraction, right? You feel it, but that can also happen more long term. Yeah? Contracts around it. The mind also contracts around it, you know, through that, Pushing away that resistance. No, go away. Yeah, I want to get rid of you. Yeah. I can't carry on meditating as long as you're present. So the second arrow can appear physically and it can appear in our heart and mind. Yeah. And so we can see the second arrow of that resistance, that reactivity, is a way of looking go back to last night, and it contributes to the shaping of our experience, actually contributes to the building up of unpleasantness in the experience, and dukkha in the experience. And so when we look in this way, we see that our habitual ways of responding to pain, to discomfort, to uh, unpleasantness, the habitual way actually ends up usually magnifying, yeah, making it worse. Yeah? And that's not our intention, right? It's not our intention. So we can come back to that intention. Ah, no, what am I cultivating? Freedom, yeah? compassion, kindness, spaciousness. Yeah? So can I... Um, can I learn to let go of these ways of relating that bring more contraction, more friction, more resistance, and to cultivate instead ways of relating that bring more spaciousness, more ease, yeah. more um, compassion and kindness. So this is a really helpful insight to have in the background. Say, so, ah, there's the experience, there's the kind of arising 
of that uncomfortable sensation in the body, for example. And then there's the way I'm relating to it. And that in itself creates some space and we can we can work there. We have some uh, space of responsiveness there. So we have that insight um, in the background. And so I want to offer some suggestions of how to work with discomfort, yeah, um, or unpleasantness, primarily in the body. We start with the body um, because it tends to be uh, less sticky <laughs> than the heart and mind. Yeah? So it's an easier field to uh, kind of cultivate our skills. Yeah? Not always easy. doesn't mean that it's easy. It's easier yeah, than the heart and mind. So that's why we primarily work with. Um, I'm going to offer some suggestions that are also on the notice board. Um, so you're welcome to write things down if you have something to write on, but don't feel like you have to grasp it all uh, and remember all of them. Yeah. You can refer to the notice board later, and in any case, I'll say this again after I offer these, I'm going to offer quite a few options, and the recommendation is not to try all of them. <laughs> yeah, just choose a couple, or even one, that you think, ah, that's that sounds like something uh, that could be accessible for me, or that I'm interested in applying and exploring. The first step with all of them is that basic mindfulness, being present with our experience and seeing what's going on. Yeah? Oh, there's rejection here. I'm pushing something away. Seeing the second arrow, dukkha, we can say. Pushing something away, just that acknowledgement can actually be completely revolutionary, you know, just seeing that. Or I might be noticing rejection, I might be noticing the contraction that comes with the rejection. I'm contracted. Um, I might be noticing that all, all that I'm aware of right now, all that I can be mindful of now, is this unpleasant sensation in the body. Because awareness shrinks around the unpleasant and the uncomfortable. That's why we keep opening it, yeah? Because the habit is to get smaller around it. And when we have a phenomena in a small space, (laughs) what does that feel like? It feels like that's all there is, and it feels quite intense, yeah? When we have a phenomena in a larger space, yeah, it doesn't feel so intense. That's an interesting thing to notice. So these are the first steps, yeah, acknowledging. There's a contraction, there's a shrinking of awareness, there's a rejection, there's a pushing away here. It's part of what's happening. And then with that, we can just bring in this sense of interest. Can I just stay with that? (laughs) For, again, we can just say one breath, two breaths. Just breathe with it for two breaths. Breathe with that thing that I'm rejecting. That can be one thing that we do. And noticing what happens to the resistance when we allow that discomfort for two breaths. And then just like we were doing yesterday with with the breathing, then we might say, okay, it was like that for two breaths, I can do a couple more. 
And we're just interested to see what happens. So that's one possibility there. Another possibility um, is to relax the tension around the area of discomfort in the body. So we can do that if we're using the breathing. uh, We can breathe in a way that relaxes the tension. If we're using sound, yeah, just that opening to the field of sound, yeah, is a counter movement to the tension and contraction. Yeah, the opening of the space to sound, and we notice that opens the space, relaxes um, the tension around the painful area. Again, that second arrow in the body. We can also imagine the breath or the sound coming in and out of the painful area. Really interesting. Yeah. So we're changing the way of relating there. Yeah. What happens when we actually imagine the breath coming in and softening, or the sound coming in and opening, yeah, the area that feels painful or feels tense in the body. We can play with expanding the awareness. Yeah? So we already did that to a degree with relaxing the tension, but we can actually just open out the awareness. Yeah? Open out the awareness to sound or open out the awareness to the whole body. Yeah? If you're using the breath. Yeah? So that's another way um, that we can work. And as we do that, as we open the awareness, we can ask ourselves, ah, so there's this unpleasant body sensation or unpleasant sound, maybe, in the environment. Can I notice if there's something pleasant or not unpleasant (laughs) in experience right now? So there might be a pleasant or not unpleasant sensation somewhere in the body. There might be a pleasant or not unpleasant sound in the soundscape. And we can turn our attention to that. And this is, yeah, so freeing, this bit, when we learn to do it. Because there are, yeah? It's just the habit of our attention is to go to the unpleasant and to fixate on it. So for most of us, yeah, there will be somewhere in the body that feels okay. Yeah? The hand, the little finger, yeah, the earlobe. Yeah, it doesn't feel unpleasant. There'll be somewhere. Might even feel pleasant, but certainly, yeah, potentially not unpleasant. We can bring the attention to that. And yeah, it will come back to the unpleasant and we open again. Yeah, we keep playing that game, just like we do with the breath. So yeah, that's a that's another way of practicing that we can bring in. I told you there were going to be quite a few. So a couple more. We can bring a sense of compassion, or if you're familiar with metta, with goodwill, with kindness, a sense of kindness to the unpleasant sensation, to the uncomfortable sensation, just holding it with compassion. And compassion and metta are, are really good antidotes. Yeah, to this pushing away. Yeah. And so we can play with that. If that's a, a practice or a way of relating that you're familiar with, 
just play with, with that and see what happens. The last one. If there's a history, if this is a, a, a pain or a discomfort in the body where there's a history of injury or there's a history of chronic pain and so it's quite loaded, it's quite charged, yeah. or if the sense of tr- struggle, you try some of the other ways and the sense of struggle and resistance just escalates, yeah. then you can move. <laughs> yeah. This is the last one, it's important. There's the sense either the struggle builds up, yeah, nothing you're trying is working, yeah, or history of injury, or if it's quite a charged um, area of discomfort for you. Move, and there can be a lot of playfulness with the moving. Yeah, I have this game I like to play of like, what's the minimal movement I can make, yeah, to bring relief? Sometimes it's surprisingly little, so so subtle that someone looking at me wouldn't even see it, yeah? And sometimes we need to completely change our posture, yeah, or release the leg or uh, whatever it might be, yeah? So we're interested, we're including that in our practice. So important to see all these ways um, of attending to discomfort, include a shift in the way of relating. Hopefully we can see this. In all of them, we're changing the way of relating from I don't want you, go away, to interest, to engagement, to responsiveness. And this in itself eases levels of contraction that are there, that can contribute to that perception of discomfort. And I'll remind you, don't try all of them. Don't try to remember all of them. (laughs) Yeah. Just one or two yeah, that you try out when discomfort arises. Also, don't go looking for it. Yeah? It, will, it will arise in its time. So, um, a couple more general things and then we'll, we'll have some time for practice. Um, sometimes uh, we kind of start using these ways as a strategy to get rid of the uncomfortable. <laughs> We call this deal-making. It's like, all right, I'll allow you, I'll give you some compassion because I know you're going to go away. Yeah. So we can notice this, uh, and, and really, if we can have humor around it, yeah, it's, it's delightful. Yeah. Um, and then as much as we can, just gently, kindly, lovingly remind ourselves that's not the point. Yeah. Uh, we're not trying to get rid of that unpleasant sensation. Sometimes it will go away, yeah. But often it won't go away. But the sense of problem will change, yeah. And that's what we're interested in. We're interested in the insight that comes. Um, and then the other general thing to remember can be really helpful uh, to see this as a kind of building up of a skill. And so when we build up a skill, we start with the mildest thing that we can. Yeah. So like I said, body rather than thoughts and emotions. And within the body, milder discomfort if we can, rather than you know some chronic pain that we've had for a really long time and is quite charged. So if that's possible. And also to acknowledge, yes, some discomfort in the body is 
very likely to occur on a week-long retreat. Yeah, uh, we do what we can. Yeah, to care for the body, to work skillfully with discomfort, uh, but it's part of the territory. If we're going to put, a, you know, our body into one position for a long period of time, it's going to get uncomfortable. Yeah, and so we we kind of also acknowledge and accept uh, that. Yeah. For many of us, as we get older, this becomes more and more obvious. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we can also see that as a useful skill we're developing, you know, learning to be present yeah, with, with discomfort in a skillful way, something that's going to serve us in the, in the long term, as well as in the, the immediate. And of course, we can take this caring for the body, uh, you know, beyond how we attend to it in the stillness, in the sitting postures. Yeah, do the stretches through the day if that's helpful. Um, alternate between sitting postures and different sittings. Yeah, not stay in the same one for every single sitting. Um, yeah, those kind of things. And as we've said, there's tips for posture on the notice board to help with that. And maybe I'll say it here, we said it in the um, posture workshop yesterday, but if we get an idea from looking at these wonderful beings behind me that sitting cross-legged on the floor uh, kind of gives us uh, an edge uh, of getting uh, to, f to awakening quicker, uh, that's not true. <laughs> Okay, there's no hierarchy in, in the posture. Um, and so if sitting on the floor is comfortable for you, supportive for you, wonderful. But if sitting on a chair is, uh, kind of creates less pain, go for it. Yeah, no hierarchy in the, in the, in the postures whatsoever. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.